Hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I don't know where to start. Ugh, where do I fucking begin? I'm very irritated right now for a handful of reasons. Mainly because I thought, and and this I guess is going to be the theme of this whole show today, but I have poured a lot of money into my new house, which I am now in, officially. I'm recording from my new spot right now. But I thought, well, since I'm getting a house, why don't I turn one of the rooms into a podcast studio? Then I can like grow this whole thing. We can start doing video. It can be a real production. You know, we can level up a little bit. We can really level up. Yes, would it make more sense to rent it out as a room for somebody and maybe make like a thousand bucks a month off of it? Does this podcast make a thousand dollars a month? No, it does not yet. So technically, you know, if you're being safe about it, then yes, it would make more sense to just rent it out or Airbnb it or something like that. And I have three bedrooms, so I still could Airbnb one of the rooms or rent one of the rooms out. Maybe I'll get there eventually, but... With this podcast studio room, I just thought, you know what? Scared money don't make money. I'm going to just, I'm going to just go for it. Like I'm going to turn it into a podcast studio. And of course, there's a lot of things that you need when you're actually building a studio. Because when I record now, I literally record on my phone and iPhones are amazing in terms of recording. Like, I don't know if y'all watched like the Kanye documentary. He was recording things on his phone. Like a lot of people record music on their phones. A lot of people record a lot of stuff on your phone. Your phone is an incredible tool for shooting videos, for recording. So it's not even that it's that bad, but like it's obviously not professional quality. It's not the highest quality product you can make when you're recording from your phone. And so to go from literally recording on my phone to setting up a whole studio, not only do you need microphones, but I need to buy a new computer. I needed to buy lighting. I needed to buy a camera. I needed to buy a tripod. I needed to buy all the stuff for the set, which, by the way, I think is looking really good. I needed to, you know, all of the things behind the scenes, like seating for, you know, the friends of the guest and a desk for maybe the producer, like a place for all that other stuff to go. And then because I went a little bit overboard, even in the bathroom, like making sure that the guests have everything they need, whether it's like dry shampoo or mouthwash or hairspray or tampons or whatever. Like I just thought of everything and I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all out. And as of right now, I pretty much have everything except a new computer only because so today is Monday, March 7th. Yeah, it's March 7th. And allegedly, Apple is dropping the new MacBook Pro tomorrow. And I went to the Apple store a couple of weeks ago to try and buy a new computer. And I really need a Pro because I had an Air for the last year and it broke within a year. And it's just, I fucking hate that computer. So I need to go back to a Pro. And I was about to buy one. The girl that was helping me was just like, don't buy this right now. Like, we're about to drop a brand new one. It's going to be the same price, but it's going to be way better. So just wait. So I'm waiting until tomorrow when I hope they drop a new computer. Otherwise, I'll just go and buy something. I don't I don't know. I just don't have a computer right now, and I haven't had one for the last couple of months. But I say all that to say, like, I've poured a shit ton of money into this thing. And honestly, I can't wait to see where it goes. Like, like I said before, yes, I've been re-listening to that song, Scared Money Don't Make Money. But 
ultimately, even if it doesn't monetize in the way that, you know, would be amazing, I still think that it's like a worthy thing to put money into. Definitely smarter than some of the other things that I put my money into. We will get there. But I'm really annoyed. And this just goes to show you, like, no matter how much money you put into something, you really can't escape yourself sometimes, all the time. But so I'm about to record this episode. And I'm sorry. I know this shit is late again. I've been so, like... I honestly haven't even seen anyone. I just talk to my mom on the phone at night and like text a few friends and except when I go into work where I literally talk to like a hundred fucking people, I don't really, I haven't really seen anyone. I have not had anyone over to my place yet because I'm still waiting on some art that I want to hang on the walls. I sound like such an asshole, I know, but whatever. I'm still waiting on some stuff that I want to put up. I'm still waiting on some light fixtures. Like I just at this point, like I would rather just wait and just have it be nice when people come over and two of my closest friends um that live here haven't even been in the city for the last week so like I'm just I'm good like I'd rather just get this shit together on my own but I'm sitting in this podcast studio now I'm about to record I'm like okay it's Monday like I I'm gonna be productive today tomorrow I have to go back to the club last week I was in the club a lot I was back at it because I have spent so much money, like, I need to recoup, plus my birthday's coming up, and I want to buy myself something nice, so whatever. I've been working my fucking ass off getting this house together. I've been working my ass off at the club. Like, I've been thinking so much about what I want to say in this next episode, and ideas just keep coming in and out of my brain, and at this point, I'm like, I just have to start. I can't keep waiting on the new computer and to have everything perfect. Like, let me just record another episode that's just audio only, and hopefully the next one will have everything up and running. But I'm like, you know what? I still think it would be nice to sit in the new studio that I've spent thousands of dollars on assembling. And by the way, shout out to somebody who bought me two microphones, really, really, really nice microphones. I know he didn't want to be shouted out, but whatever, fuck it. But they were like $1,500 just for the microphone. So thank you so much that I did not have to buy those myself. I probably wouldn't have bought something that nice, but that's amazing. Like people have helped, but ultimately I've still spent a lot of my own money on this. And I'm sitting in this new studio like 10 minutes ago and I go to record and I just hear immediately. I'm like, I know this is going to sound like shit because all the walls are like, there's no plush anything to absorb sounds and there's an echo and I can't use the new fancy mics because I don't have my computer yet. And like the vibe is dope. I'm sitting there. I feel like kind of I've leveled up. I feel like a bit more of a boss than, you know, when I'm recording in my car or like sitting in my old closet of the old place I used to rent. Like, I'm like, okay, like we're making it. This is, this is, this is what making it must start to feel like. This is what it must feel like. And as I'm recording, I just know that it sounds like shit. Like I just know because everything in the room is hard. There's no, like there's no plush anything to absorb the sound, to absorb echo. And I'm not a sound engineer. I don't know how this shit really works, but I know enough to know that if you're recording in a hardwood floor room with all hard everything, you're probably going to need some kind of sound buffer or something to like fix the situation. And I don't have that. So I'm recording like 10 minutes in and I just pause it. I'm like, you know what? Let me just listen to how it sounds. I know that the audience of this show does not expect five-star quality in any regard. However, I'm like, I still need to give people something that's like audible. 
so I listened to it. I'm like, this sounds, I was right. Like, it sounds absolutely terrible. There's a huge echo. It sounds like I am in like a tunnel. Like, it's just like, I'm calling from fucking, I don't know, Poland or something. Like, it's just not, it's not it. And then add to that. And this is like really the one of the things that I guess I should probably address and admit to myself. I'm, I think I'm still in the denial stage because like, I did buy this home, so, like, I can't exactly just up and leave. I can't exactly just, like, tell my landlord that I'm out or just go. Like, I kind of have to stay here, and if I don't want to live here, then, like, I need to rent it. I need to sell it. Like, I don't know. There, it's I can't just fucking leave. Like, I just bought this place. I have to stay. And so, of course, when you see a place at, like, at the viewings or whatever, when you're looking to buy something. I mean, to be honest, it happens really, really fast. But most of the places you see, they're in their like showing stage. So they're clean for the most part. You know, the owner has probably or the selling agent has probably put out some nice little like, you know, maybe plants or furniture that doesn't even belong that isn't even really there for real. You're in and out within probably like 10 minutes even if you kind of want to stay and just feel what the place feels like to just be in it, there's really not a lot of time. Like you're with an agent, you're, you know, in someone's home, you kind of just have to walk around, take some pictures. And like, if you like it, you like it. And the way that real estate moves now, I mean, in Atlanta now, especially, but like in any major city and just in general, because I think there are so many people that like want to be in the real estate market is like the shit moves so quickly. So like after you see it, if you like it, put an offer in and if it's accepted, okay, you're under contract, done. You There's really not a lot of time to think about like, oh, should I put the offer in? And once your offer gets accepted, like you do have a couple of days to, to withdraw, but usually there's multiple offers and it's a little bit nerve wracking because you're like, well, if I don't take it, somebody else is going to take it. And I think there's like a element of psychology there where even when I was buying my car, and to this day, I still don't know if this guy just fucking played me, but when I was buying my car, like the Audi, there was another girl that came like right after me as I was test driving it. Like she she came before I even started the test drive, but because I came right before her, the salesperson, the used car salesman, which are great characters, by the way, like pr- potentially, and I don't mean to be rude here, but from all of my experiences, used car salesmen are like not great people. I'm sorry. Even with this car, like even for me to get my license plate and to figure everything out at the DMV, like the salesman guy just did not make my life easier whatsoever. He fucked it up when I had to fix it. Like he wouldn't even take my calls. Like it was just a whole thing. So whatever. They're kind of seedy people, I guess. Not seedy. I I don't know if that's a bad word to be using, but they're just like not the greatest people. It's like a, maybe it's a stereotype. I don't know. Don't cancel me. Please don't cancel me again. But when I was buying my car, this girl comes. She's like my age. You know, she almost looks like she also could be a stripper or something. Like she has her lashes done. Her nails are really nice. Like, I don't know. She just she kind of wearing like sweatpants, like off duty stripper vibes. What I'm getting like and I say that respectfully because like I feel like I give people off duty stripper vibes at my best. So she comes right after me. She's like, oh, you're going to buy the Audi like I'm going to buy the Audi. And the guy's like, well, she got here first so she can test drive it first. So I take it for a test drive. I'm like, it's the cheapest Audi I've seen in that range with that mileage, whatever. 
it drives relatively nice. And I come back, I'm like, I want it. And then she takes it for a test drive. I don't tell her I want it. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm buying this car. Fuck you, bitch. And then she goes and takes it for a test drive as I'm standing there. And while she's driving it, I'm like, I want the car. I think I want the car. And when she comes back, she's like, I want the car. And since I was there first, the man, the used car salesman, let me make my decision first because I was there 30 seconds before her. But I'm pretty sure that part of the reason why I was so quick to say I want it is because I knew if I didn't take it, she would take it. So I don't know if that was a setup, like if the dude literally hired her and like brought her in. I don't know if I'm paranoid. It was just almost too perfect that they had like a hundred cars on the lot and somehow they knew I was coming to see this car and somehow there's another girl my age, kind of looks like me, that's also only going to see this car, like weird. At the exact same time, you couldn't have planned it so that we came like 15 minutes apart from each other. Like, sir, what? So maybe it was just like good timing for him and he knew that as a salesman, like it would help him to have two girls that wanted the same car. But regardless, I bought the thing because I was afraid that if I didn't get it, she would. And the same goes with houses. Like if you like something, even if it's not perfect, there's a fear if you don't put an offer and if you don't stick with your offer or up the offer that like somebody else will get it. So at this house, we put an offer in on a Friday It was accepted a couple hours later. We went under contract a few hours after that. Like everything happened so quickly. And while I had time to come back and do like a final walkthrough and during the inspection and stuff, of course, you don't even really know what to look for that you're not going to like about a place, especially as a first time homeowner. Like there were so many things that now living here, I'm realizing I wish that I had just like noticed just so I could have weighed my cards a little bit better. And it's not that it's like buyer's remorse. I mean, a little bit. I think it's maybe, I hope it's a healthy response that you're like, did I really just do this? Like, should I have done this? Is this the, did I make the right call? I mean, I really can't even answer that. Like whether I did or didn't, there's no way I can fucking answer that. I feel like that's just a question that only God can answer. And since I did it, it was probably, I, I have to believe it was supposed to happen, but One of the things that is here that I don't know how the fuck I missed this, you guys. Like, I drove here. I drove across it. How did I not compute that it was here? And by it, I mean train tracks. Like, a big-ass train-crossing intersection thing with a loud, loud bunch of loud trains that go up and down up and down that thing like all day and all night so I'm sleeping sometimes and I hear like like just the loudest like beep thing whatever you call it horn over and over and over again like can the train conductors or drivers whoever can they fucking relax we know that a train is coming stop honking the horn so much please like you're probably killing people more people by giving them sleep deprivation than you are by like not honking by honking your not honking your horn and somebody's not doesn't know a train is coming we all know the train is coming the gate is closed we know it's already loud you don't need to honk a hundred times I don't know But anyways, it's one of the things that when I came here, like I drove over the train tracks. I had to brake a little bit because it was bumpy. Like I knew that they were right here. And yet I forgot to think that like, oh, that might be annoying. 
maybe that's why this place is slightly cheaper than like it seems like it should be for this market like maybe you know things aren't too like there's nothing that's like really too good to be true there's probably a reason why you know it's priced the way it is and the guy is selling it like I don't know maybe these are things I should have thought of and not just thought like oh the perfect house has fallen into my lap amazing but when I was recording also and I'm trying to record this first little segment thing downstairs for the first time in my studio the studio is of course positioned like the close it's the closest part of my house it's the closest thing to the train tracks because it's on the first floor so everything that happens on the railway thing like it can be heard and so I'm trying to blah 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 I'm talking whatever and the trains just keep coming and coming and I'm like oh my god like can I just catch a fucking break please and I know that this is a great problem to have. I'm not, I don't mean to complain, like truly complain. I just, I wasn't expecting all of these little, I should have expected it. I should have expected a bunch of little problems. I naively thought that once you, not that once I moved in, everything would be perfect, but you know, when you have that feeling like you're living your life through kind of like a like a looking glass or something like a window or a mirror or something like that, like you're kind of looking out into what you think your life could be if you could just cross over into that other side that other world. I think a lot of people I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of explaining it, but I think I have often felt this way. And you kind of just think like, oh, I'm OK over on this side for now. But once I, you know, say it's like once I lose weight, then I'll feel hot and I'll feel like good about myself. So I'll allow myself to do all these other things and be on this other side. Or once I level up and get this house, then I'll suddenly start carrying myself like, you know, a valuable woman or something and take like whatever it is. But it's like once I do X, then I will be on this other side of the glass. And I feel like I have often lived my life in that way, especially in all the times I've been single, which I don't know if that's healthy. It, I guess it doesn't matter. But I feel like when I'm single and I'm living my life just running errands and just going about my day to day when I'm not at the club, like most of the time I really, really, really look like shit. Like I really look like shit most days when I'm just living my life because I don't like to get all dressed up and stuff, not even get all dressed up, but like, it just feels almost like a waste. And I I know that that's also not the luxurious mindset that we're supposed to have or that TikTok tells you to have. But I'm like, why would I wear the nice things? I'm just gonna have to wash them and then they're gonna get more shitty quality. Like, why wouldn't I just wear sweatpants? And to be fair, the sweatsuit that I wear lately every day it's very expensive, like gallery department sweatpants and a chrome hearts hoodie. The sweatpants were 800. The hoodie was a thousand and a fucking Amiri hat, which was $400. Okay. So it's not like I'm not wearing things that are, I guess, well-made and expensive. But if you zoom out and you see my like post sauna puffy face and just the the sweatsuit and like my hair in a bun like I don't look good I'm not wearing any makeup I don't look like somebody should approach me I look like the opposite of that 
And the reason is like, I know that I'm not like going over unexpectedly to someone's house later. I know that I'm not, I know I'm not really going to see anyone unless I really make plans to see somebody. And currently I'm so focused on honestly just making money and building this home that I'm not that interested. Like I don't even have time to just see people for the sake of it. Other than my few close friends, I know I need to change that because like I would like to find somebody that I'm dating or something like that. I know it's not just going to materialize out of thin air as I'm like walking around looking like a crazy person every day and pretty much on my forehead is written like do not fucking talk to me. But most days like I look like shit. And it's not that I somehow magically thought that that would change when I moved in here. I do think like like I even bought these like fancy pajamas. I kind of I kind of did think I guess that I was going to be like a new and improved version of myself. And I, I am in some ways, but I think I was just looking at it in a in a shallow way where I was like, oh, well, once I move in here, like, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not going to just walk around looking like that, whatever. I'm going to be this, like, better me. And honestly, like, not to be too dramatic, but I feel like I've been one of the worst versions of myself since I got here. And that's for a bunch of reasons, but, like, I've spent so much money. I don't know why. I, again, I didn't think about this. I didn't talk to enough people that like bought homes, especially like single people that bought homes. But after you buy the house, like you need to budget for furniture. You need to budget for like all the other shit that you're going to need, whether it's like the TVs or the Amazon Fire Stick bullshit or the cameras for outside or like all the hardware for the your bathrooms and everything like there's so many things that you need to buy that you need to budget for. Like, I feel like you need at least, I don't know if I should put a number on it, but honestly, for me, like, and if you, this is if you're starting with like a little bit of furniture, like you already have maybe like a mattress and a bed frame or something like that. Um, I feel like you literally need at least $10,000 just for the shit that you want to do when you get in the house, like from painting, labor, like light hardware replacements, all the other shit you need to buy and then the other furniture that you're going to need. And that honestly is like a conservative figure. I know that might sound insane, but I mean, I know people that spent hundreds of thousands just on furnishing their home. So I think you need about 10. That's just to do it like not minimally, but to do it without going bawling out at restoration hardware or wherever, but still allowing yourself a few nicer things and not only buying everything from like flea markets and Ikea. But as I have dumped all of the, these funds, all this money into this place, I think like my fuse has become really short. And not that I'm like easily irritated, but I think like deep down there's been this like slight regret. And like, I just want reassurance that I made the right decision, that I'm making the right decision. And it's, like, a really weird thing when you've spent thousands of dollars on furniture. But then, like, the other – last week, like, I that's why I had to go back to work. Like, I had cash, but in my bank account because I had to pay for so many things and I still had to pay out of pocket for a few, like, closing fees and I had to wire the money. There was a point last week where I literally had $130 in my bank account. Like, what? That's – honestly, I mean, I, I'm sorry – 
I know people live like this. Like, I don't mean to sound like a total fucking asshole, but like having $130 in your whole bank account, that's a really dangerous way to live. Like, what if you have one charge that you forgot about? Somebody's going to bill you for like $140 is going to bounce. Like, it's not a safe place to be. And so it was bizarre because I'm like, when I had that amount, like, I really felt like I was really broke for real. I mean, I know I have this house and I had like cash in my wallet, but I had $140 in my bank account. And it was so strange because like I had a guy come to like install the legs of my sofa. And like, while he was here, I asked him if he could fix a one of the doors because the door was broken. And he was only here for like maybe 10 minutes. And the only reason he had to come back is because he like didn't notice that I already had the right screws to like do the sofa. So he really was supposed to do it the day before, but he like made himself come back the next day. And I was like, okay, well, can you just include, can you just bill me on the same thing for yesterday? He's like, oh no, that's already closed out. Like, can you just pay me like now for my job, for this job? So I'm like, okay, like how much, how much is it? And he was like, well, $40 is fine. And in my mind, I'm like, bro, like you literally were here for 10 minutes finishing a job, yesterday's job that I already paid you for why the fuck do I have to pay you another $40? Like, I'll give you like 20, I guess, just like for your for gas or something, even though this was your mistake. But like $40? That's your hourly rate. You weren't even here for an hour. And it was your mistake that you're fixing. And I have 100 in my mind. I'm like, and I have $140 in my bank account. So I gave him the $40. But it was a really bizarre feeling because I'm like, I have no money. Like I have almost no money. I've spent so much. Like, I don't even know how I'm really going to get lunch. Like, I guess I'll just go to Walmart and, like, get, like, some, like, buns and, like, I don't know, maybe, like, some peanut butter, like, turkey slices and just, like, do that. I mean, like, you can still eat for 130 bucks. It's just not, you're not going to be going to fucking Nobu or whatever. But I just had this feeling of animosity of, like, of course all these choices have been mine. It was my choice to do this. But... I don't know. Suddenly I was like, I just had this feeling of like resentment towards, I don't know what exactly, obviously him, but just in general. And this like feeling of extreme doubt and just like, honestly, like loneliness also of while it's my choice that I haven't had anyone over, I still just, it's bizarre. Like, what am I trying to say? It's like, I feel like I've been buying all of this stuff to make this place feel like a home. But like the only thing ultimately that's really going to make it feel like a home is like people. You know what I mean? I know it's corny, but like, yes, I can buy a bowl from Hermes, which I did buy. Thank you very much. I'm very excited about it. And I can, you know, buy all this new furniture and all these paintings and everything that I've always wanted in my home. Like I just bought a giant painting of Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy ballerina that I'm going to put in my entryway. Like, I'm buying all this really cool shit that, like, I feel like I'm so grateful that I can decorate my house like this. Like, it's all the things that I love. Like, it's really going to feel like it's mine once it's all in. But at the same time, it's so empty. Like, it's weird to just be alone in, like, a three-story place. It's it's not and there's nothing I can really buy there's no amount of throw pillows that are going to change that the only thing that will change that is like having other people here whether that's whoever that is so we'll see 
And I have bought a lot of throw pillows. I actually just got back from fucking Ikea again because I ordered more throw pillow covers. I needed something to put in them, so I had to go back. And I love the throw pillows at Ikea. I've realized they have very good down throw pillows that are only $7 each. Great deal. 10 out of 10. But there's just, there's no amount of anything I can buy that's going to make this place actually feel like a home. And while I've been spending all this money, part of me has written it off as like, not necessarily self-care, although I do think that that's a trend that a lot of people in like my generation still kind of fall for or subscribe to is like self-care is like spending money on yourself. Self-care is indulging in, you know, different materialistic things that you want. Self-care is like living pretty much outside of your means And while, like, I haven't gone into debt for any of the things that I've bought, so in a sense, I haven't been living outside of my means. Well, except I have, because then I can't even afford to buy food. But, well, at least, like, an actual lunch. I mean, I have a million things in my pantry, but whatever, it's complicated. But there's this idea that self-care is indulging. And I... You know everyone's obsessed with manifesting and all of that stuff. Not everyone, but a large part of my generation is also manifesting is the new hustle culture. Manifesting is the new girl boss. Manifesting is the new everything. It's if you see it, if you believe it, it will happen. And in a sense, I love that. And I, like I've said before, your thoughts are so critical to your reality, I think. However, (laughs) I feel like this idea that self-care is spending money bleeds into this idea of like how manifesting and I started to think and I think it's largely partially because of TikTok, but I just started to feel like maybe emptying your bank account is like a form of manifestation. Like the money will flow back to me if I have faith that it will and if I build this life that I've always envisioned for myself. So why am I going to hold back now when I'm already three quarters of the way there? Why am I not going to buy the Hermes bowl that I want everyone to see in my kitchen? Why am I not going to buy the Basquiat print that I want in my living room because it's going to go with the cause book that I bought? Like, why don't I just do it? So it's done and then the money can come back to me. Why don't I just empty my whole fucking bank account? Life is not that long. Who knows when we're how long we're gonna be here for? Why don't we just have the things we want? If we can't have the people we want, we might as well have the things we want. No? Yes? Am I right or am I right? I don't know. But emptying your bank account is a form of manifestation, I think. Maybe. No, I, I I don't I don't know. I don't know if it is. I don't think that's very good financial advice and I wouldn't recommend it. Like I've realized that I'm very grateful to have a place that I can always go back to and always pretty much count on to make a decent amount of money when I go back. There's not a lot of jobs where you can walk in whenever you want, whenever you want, you know, pretty much however you want. Like you wear whatever the fuck you want and leave the same day with cash in hand like there's it's not there's not a lot of jobs so while I did spend a lot I I knew deep down I can make it back so I that that anxiety was slightly eliminated and again like I still had cash but yeah I just I thought it was kind of a funny statement that emptying your bank account is a form of manifestation and 
I never thought about it in the past that way, but it just reminded me of that documentary or that docuseries that came out, Inventing Anna. I don't know if, like, you guys watched it. If you haven't, I honestly would recommend it. It's not, like, the best thing you'll ever watch in your life, but if you're into this podcast, if you're into, like, broke bitch behavior, broke bitch tendencies, if you're into... You know, people who aspire to a life of greatness and lavishness and all this other stuff and kind of like materialistic luxuries, I think like you will really enjoy it. And I watched the whole thing this weekend and it really like a lot of it reminded me of me, honestly, and I don't say that proudly, but it did. And while I've always been like very honest, I think about who I am and like my financial situation and all of that stuff. Like most people know my government name. Obviously it's not millions, but it's close enough. Everybody knows how old I am. Like everybody knows where I'm from. You know, I think I've been relatively transparent with all of those things, but the Eastern European background thing, like my family's from Poland, the moving to New York from a different country, the, you know, aspiring to not be like a basic bitch and having these big creative ambitions that, as I talked about last time, you kind of just expect or assume that like some big thing is going to happen in your life that's going to come and save you, which I really lived most of my 20s believing, like, as I said before, that I was just going to write this best selling novel or book and that was going to be my ticket to the life I've always wanted. Like that was that was the that was the plan and that's a terrible plan to have. And I think a lot of creatives live their lives that way, especially young people because you're still as you're young, you still have enough delusion to believe that you're special and as you get older, you realize that like maybe you're not that special and that's okay and you can still have the life you want. But unless you're really, really putting in that work every day to achieve that thing that you really say you want, like for me, it was a book. If you're not doing that shit every day, then like you can't be upset when it doesn't work out. Like it's, it's not, it's not a good plan to have as like your career plan. But if that is your plan, then you need to be dedicating like every day to it. But it's a double-edged sword because if you are dedicating every day to it, then your life isn't going to be very interesting. And what the fuck are you even going to write about? What are you going to even make art about? So I think you have to live your life and you have to just hope that eventually you will find your creative aspirations and goals and everything will be realized. But with the Anna thing, with the scammer, this fake heiress, which is who she was, who she is, what the docuseries is about for anyone who hasn't heard of it, Um, this fake heiress pretty much, like, maneuvered and finessed her way into, like, the upper, upper, upper echelons of New York society, very much on purpose, but without anything to her name. Like, she was just scamming and finessing her way into staying at the nicest hotels in New York City that cost, like, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars a night. She was staying there for months, And then moving to the next place when her card was declined, she didn't ever, you know, go to school. Not that that's that important, but she wasn't even American. She didn't own anything. She didn't have really anything. And yet, I guess she was smart and she was a great liar and somehow managed to 
be in talks with some of the biggest banks that were about to loan her. I don't know. What was it? Like tens of millions of dollars or something like that. She was in talks with some of the biggest, I don't know, leasing agents or whatever in Manhattan to rent out this building on Park Avenue to build this society club that she wanted to build. She was doing all of this stuff just as a giant finesse. And eventually it all collapsed on her and she got caught, obviously, and she went to prison. She went to Rikers Island. Now she's out. But it just reminded me of like, because everything is about me, no, but it did remind me of when I was living in New York City. And when I really thought like, there's something about being new to New York. And especially I think when you're living in Manhattan, that if you if you're one of those girls or one of those people that's always kind of put New York City on a pedestal because you watched movies that were about New York or set in New York and New York was always like a main character in the movies and then by virtue of that in your mind and you always just thought like the big city and it, it almost sounds ironic to say now because I think that New York has like kind of fallen off a little bit it pains me to say I think it'll get back but for now New York City just isn't really what it was at, at, before when it was like the center the hub of everything like music and movies and well not like filming them that's LA obviously but just writing and media and make like magazines and everything was everybody moved to New York if you were creative to make it like that art and it was New York City and if you are somebody that has kind of fantasized about New York City and then you eventually finally get there and you move there and you're living in Manhattan, there's something that happens, at least it happened for me, and clearly it happened to this girl, Anna, where, like, you start to become fixated on the lifestyle that you see around you and all of the wealthy, affluent people that you see around you, and you start to wonder, like, not only how can I get there, but, like, how can I pretend that I'm there already? And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to, like, live outside your means and go for nice dinners at all of the fancy restaurants in New York. There's so many. And also to buy things because in New York City, you have to remember, like, nobody really drives a car. That's So it's not it's not weird to not drive, to not have a car to Uber everywhere. So buying a car is not the flex that you make. The flex you make is buying designer things, buying things that people are going to see you out in. Everybody lives in a small apartment. Well, not everybody, but most even relatively wealthy people still live in relatively small apartments so the flex is the fashion the flex is the nice shit you buy for yourself that you wear especially like I said if you're living in Manhattan anywhere near Soho or like even in Chinatown Soho is still close like anywhere that it feels like there's you know fancy shops around and fashion bloggers and the atmosphere is just different like you will easily, I think. And I, I I, guess I'm going to blame Sex and the City partially for this, too, because I think a lot of girls move to New York thinking, like, they're going to have their, like, the Sex and the City chapter of their lives. I definitely had that as, like, a back thought in my mind. But you will start to, at least for me, spend a lot more money than you ever have on clothes and prioritize clothes, I think, at least for me, more than I ever had before. And this fixation on like designer and kind of just emptying your bank account to manifest the life you want, but also just to have the things that you see others around you having, I think is very normal in New York. Like 
when I was living there two summers ago, well, the summer of 2020, so I guess still one summer ago, but, and I'm going to confess to something (laughs) that I have not confessed to, but it's probably pretty obvious, like, if you saw my Instagrams from that era, and it's, like, embarrassing for me that I ever tried to, like, pass it off as, like, real, but whatever, I feel like I shouldn't even confess to this, but this is Broke Bitch Anonymous, so we got we got to keep it real here. We have to. If I don't confess to this, then I am a fraud. I have to confess. Plus, enough time has passed now, and now all of everything that I buy, I buy from the fucking designer store or Nima Marcus or wherever. Like, all my shit that you see now is real. I have the fucking receipts. But, one second, let me take a sip of bubbly. Like, the sparkling water, not the champagne, I wish. Mmm. But when I was living in New York City, being a fucking bum, honestly, barely making any money, pulling together a couple thousand dollars here and there once in a while. But once I added it all up, it was like I was barely making minimum wage because, you know, I would get a two thousand dollar check for the first time in like a month and a half, which was have to cover everything that I already pretty much all my expenses that I had already put on my credit card. And then my rent like I was I was barely breaking even if I was even, like, breaking even at all. I could barely, I remember I really had to go get an eye exam, and I could barely fucking afford the eye exam. Like, I was not, I was not thriving. And that's why, like, I made my little seeking arrangements profile, as I was not, I was not thriving. I was not thriving. And I needed, like, I could not survive on my salary, partially because my rent was $2,000 a month, and I didn't have a salary. I was freelancing. But also because your overhead for living in New York City, once you fall into the trap of the lifestyle and the lavishness that everyone around you seems to have, your overhead just becomes so high, your expenses become so high, your bills, like, everything becomes so expensive, and yet you want to continue keeping up with people. For me, I was dating somebody who I've talked about on this show before, and I really wish I could tell y'all, like, who it really was, but I just can't, but he was, like, pretty much royalty like like a bill like a billionaire's family member pretty probably had billions himself like very affluent very wealthy like his close friends were people on like jeffrey epstein's fucking island list like that's that's the type of person you know what i mean not like i don't know some Uh, like some fucking artist manager or something like no like real like upper echelon like real upper fucking new york society people like jeffrey epstein's fucking friends okay those were his friends so somehow we hit it off and started dating and it was probably destined to fail from the beginning, especially because I was a disaster and homeless at the time, living in an Airbnb, uh, waiting to get my apartment together. Eventually, I got an apartment. That was great. That was great for our relationship. I was less of a bum. Uh, And we kind of dated for the summer, and then it just all fell apart Um, with us telling that we each other, that we loved each other in, like, this bathroom of this club in the East. Oh, it was just terrible. Anyway, uh, it was bad. It was not good. But when we first got together, he was one of those people, like, real wealthy people don't feel the need to flash their wealth whatsoever. Like, they literally will pull up in, like, a black t-shirt and jeans. Like, they don't, 
need the bust down Rolex. They don't need the fucking Chanel bag. They don't need that shit because they really have it like that. Like his house was like a four bedroom penthouse in the most perfect location in Tribeca overlooking the Hudson River. Like he really like his real life was lit. He didn't need to like wear designer stuff because he had something to prove to people. But because I knew that there was no way in fucking hell that I was getting my own four-bedroom penthouse in Tribeca anytime soon. For me, the next best thing to try and, like, not compete with him, but, like, compliment him and, like, look good next to him and with all of his friends who were also very affluent and wealthy was, like, well, I must buy more designer. Like, I I must do it. I need to do it. But I was making $2,000 a month Barely. And my rent was $2,000 a month. So like, where the fuck was I going to get this money for this designer? Like, my little savings that I had or like, you know, like there was there mathematically, it was not mathing and there was no, there was no wiggle room for me to go to Dior and buy a $1,000 pair of slides. And yet I still did that. I just put it on my credit card. And it worked out, whatever. But like, I mean, barely, but I didn't have the actual funds, shout out seeking arrangements for how it worked out, but I just, I didn't have the funds to like do the things that I wanted to do to keep up with him. Not that I had to keep up with him. I wish I didn't think I had to, but at the time I did feel that way. Now I think I would be more secure in who I am and the things that I already have because once you get the designer shit, you start to realize it's not everything. Like there's a thrill And if you like nice things, there's like an appreciation that comes with just having it. But ultimately, it doesn't really fix anything. It doesn't really change anything. And after a couple weeks or even just a couple wears, you kind of get over it, to be honest with you. So, yes, I bought some designer shit and I emptied my bank account for that. But also, I was living in Chinatown. What's next to Chinatown? Canal Street, which is for those not familiar, a major street uh, that runs through Manhattan that is one of the most well-known places to buy knockoff designer items. You can literally find anything there from the stuff that's laid out on the street to the back rooms where they'll take you and like try to sell you a fake Rolex or a fake Birkin or whatever. Not that this makes it any better. I would never buy a fake Birkin. Well, that's a lie. I literally bought a fake Kelly. So (laughs) let me fucking stop. Now I use the Kelly as my strip club bag. Now it's my money bag. It's really embarrassing that I ever thought that like I could just rock it for real because it's not real. So I'm just going to come clean. It was still like, I think I paid like $250 for it. It's still like real leather and it's pretty well constructed. $250 $250 for a, for a fake bag, by the way, is kind of a lot. But a lot of the stuff that I was rocking in those days that I was passing off as real was fake. It wasn't real designer. Like, now I can say it because, like, my designer is real and I really see no point and I have no interest in, like, buying the fake stuff. Also, in Atlanta, like, there's nowhere. I don't even know where you would... Actually, that's a lie. There are definitely places in Atlanta. And there's a lot of online, like, retailers that sell fake designer, too. One of them, my friend put me on to this place, DH Gate, which you probably heard of if you're on TikTok, but they sell like every fake designer item. Like I I would estimate that 80% of the Birkins you see on Instagram are from DH Gate. They're not from Hermes. You cannot 
as people have said before, you cannot go to Hermes to buy a Birkin. Like you have to be on the list. You have to right now I'm in the process of like half romancing one of the sales ladies at Hermes and Buckhead in Atlanta because my birthday is coming up. I really, really, really want to buy a Birkin. And I don't even know if I really can. I know I shouldn't, but I know if I just go hard in the club for a few more weeks, it'll be fine and I can buy it. And I really want to buy myself a Birkin for my 30th because I feel like the person I thought was going to buy it for me is just, I don't is is not is not moving the way that I wanted him or needed him to move but my point is that a lot of the stuff I was wearing in New York City all of the designer stuff not all of it some of it was real the the Dior slides were real the Dior bag I had before was real uh what else I don't remember everything exactly but a lot of the stuff like it wasn't real and I feel like I should it's there's it's still up on my Instagram like the one thing that really wasn't real, okay, the Kelly bag is not real, but I feel like people knew that. And then the other thing, ugh, I'm just, I feel like I can't even admit to this if I don't clarify what was real and what wasn't. I just like want to say that there are so many people, both in New York City and outside of it, that wear fake designer, obviously. And I feel like even in New York, because of the way I wore it, which was like with way too much confidence and the people I was around, which were way richer than me, I feel like people bought that it was real. And this brings me to my point of like, New York is a city for scammers. New York is a city for like fraudsters and finessers. New York is the town for that in some ways. Like it makes absolutely no sense that I moved there, staying in a shit Airbnb with virtually no money, living outside of my means, like a freelance A&R, whatever the fuck that means, had just been fired from both of my jobs, middle of a pandemic. And the first person I meet to date is like a fucking prince. Honestly, like literally pretty much a prince. That makes no sense. Okay. That makes no sense. And then the fact that he actually liked me and bought all of my bullshit, at least enough to like fuck with me enough for a few months. Like what? If I can do that in New York City, if Anna Delvey or Sorokin or whatever can do that, anybody can do that, I think. I mean, maybe not anybody. You have to have three brain cells. But other than that, like, I feel like New York is a city for for scammers. It's like a city where people are so caught up in everything that they have going on and just the energy of the whole town that's so infectious that... They don't even really realize when you're faking it because odds are they're probably faking something too. Like everybody in New York, for the most part, is faking something. Not necessarily their money or their stature or anything like that. There's a lot of truly, really affluent, rich people in New York City, but maybe everybody's faking something. They're too caught up in their own shit to even notice what you're faking because I feel like I not was a fraud in New York. I'm very honest and the person I was dating knew who I was like who I actually was and where I lived but it just made me feel like New York is a city for scammers and honestly I love that for New York City in some ways I really miss New York I really I think I'm gonna go back soon just for a little trip I'll have to find a reason to go I don't like to be in New York without a reason I don't like to just bum around the city it just doesn't feel like the reason to be in New York City it's nicer to be there with some kind of goal or mission. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll do a podcast. I don't know. But now that I have this whole setup, I want to keep it in Atlanta if I can, because 
it's gonna look so good here and I don't want to have to lug all the equipment around everywhere but um but yeah it just made me really miss New York and, and you know maybe I'll go back to New York City to live there eventually for now it's so strange once you commit to like a lifestyle which I never ever ever thought my lifestyle would be in Atlanta I never thought my lifestyle would be driving an hour every day I never thought my lifestyle would be stripping like it's a lot of things I didn't think would be my lifestyle that are but when you stop having like this main big thing to work towards like before it was like my car and then it was my house and now I guess it's like more personal life things but those are harder and less transactional and usually don't depend on just you. But once you stop having like that one thing that you're laser focused on in like improving your life, you have to start just living your life and dealing with the choices you've made. And I don't know, lately, like, I feel like I look around and I'm like, damn, I really thought I wanted all of this. And now I'm like, not that I feel trapped, but I'm a bit, like, apprehensive about the choices I've made. And I think it might be growing pains. I think that's, I hope that's what it is. I definitely really miss New York. And not necessarily the lifestyle I had there before. And not that I could have afforded to buy anything in New York City. And I make way better money in Atlanta anyways. So it's like, right now, it makes sense to be here. And I love Atlanta. But I don't know, this was not the intended effect of watching Inventing Anna, the Netflix docuseries. The intended effect was not to be like, wow, like, amazing, I love New York City. The intended effect was to, like, question the American dream and, like, you know, this girl who scammed her way into society. But, and I think it all kind of is hard to avoid and comes full circle in a way. And I don't know if like you guys also feel this way sometimes but there's something about sleeping in a new place alone that I guess it just gives me anxiety and it's not that I think I'm like gonna be murdered or something I don't even want to actually put that out there I don't like that word but it's not that I think that something bad is gonna happen or something like that but it's just like a new configuration like a new bed a new room a new floor it's new air there's something about sleeping in a new place that either you're like in the most amazing hotel and you just pass out right away or it's just harder to like sleep almost and even if you pass out there's just there's like a slight discomfort there and it almost I don't know it almost made me miss the place I was staying at before which I know is psychotic and I don't actually miss that place like ultimately that place was ass like the guy who I lived with was I don't even want to say anything bad about him, but like it just, I never felt, I never felt at home there. There was always new people coming in and out. There was a really cheap mattress. There was like not, it wasn't ever home. And I never thought I would even have a shred of a thought of like, oh, I, I kind of miss it. But there's something, once you get comfortable in a place, you miss it no matter what it was, no matter how shitty it was. There's just something about, I guess being comfortable and I guess that's what I'm waiting to feel here